1: Yes, indeed, and hour number two is underway, 10 past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us. It's the final hour of the program and the final hour of the week, so um, let's make it count. It's the fifth morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2020, and we head into another weekend now. Um, God willing, we will not have the same type of extraordinary, destructive, felonious assaults, um, vandalism, uh, terrorizing, intimidating, destructive behavior that we saw last weekend and that we saw, quite frankly, continue, although it maybe has abated in recent days in the middle of the week. Uh, but it has gone on all week. I, I, the weekend brings about the worst in people. We know that. These things happen more. Just the same reason why you see far fewer shootings in Chicago uh, from Monday through Thursday as you do between Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on a weekly basis. That's not just because of what's going on now. So... um God willing, we have a more peaceful weekend. Sometimes, as we discuss these extraordinary times that we're in right now, um, we can we can get lost in numbers, and you know, quoting them just doesn't really do a lot of justice here. Um, the narrative is the narrative, and nobody is you know wants to be bothered by statistical facts that disprove that narrative. If you quote actual statistical facts about crimes committed in this country, you are considered to be insensitive to the death of George Floyd. You are considered to be racist if you point out these facts. This is if you're a white person pointing out these facts. If you're an African American, you're a race traitor. You are an Uncle Tom. You're a coon. You are any host of other horrible names that african-americans have been called for pointing out statistical facts ben shapiro is famous for saying facts don't care about your feelings well the reality of it in america right now is that feelings don't give a rip about your facts people don't want to hear when they're outraged and emotional about George Floyd's death, and by the way, only a small portion of the violence that is is being committed is because of outrage and emotion. The other is calculated, organized chaos and anarchy by people who have no skin in the game whatsoever with respect to George Floyd the anarchists, the Antifa, the revolutionary abolitionists, and on down the line that want America to burn because they don't believe in capitalism and they don't believe in the liberty that this republic grants everyone. But in the, in the emotion of the moment, they don't care about your facts. Ben Shapiro had it backwards when he said facts don't care about your feelings. Right now in America, feelings don't care about facts. People don't want to hear the, the numbers that have been compiled meticulously by study after study after study that show that 94% of black homicide victims in America are killed by other blacks. The response and the rebuttals is always, oh yeah, well, the majority of white victims are killed by whites. And that is very true, too. It's just people, generally murders happen you know, near people that you know. You know, people aren't usually driving outside of their comfort zone to go find somebody to commit a crime against. They're usually committed in the neighborhoods or in the communities in which you live. So, yes, 84% of white victims are killed by whites. 94% of blacks are killed by blacks. Okay, what's your point? Well, the point is volume. That while African Americans make up just 13% of the population, they are committing 50% of the homicides. And again, 94% of those are against other blacks. Do black lives matter or not? That's enormous. That number of black homicide victims murdered by uh, other blacks is ignored every single day. Always. You can't bring that up. Whites make up 76, 77% of the population and commit fewer than half of the, the, uh, uh, the, the homicides. It's the volume. And if you break that down even further, blacks are 13% of the population. Black males are roughly half of that, maybe a little less. 6% of the population, and they're responsible for 44% of those homicides. All homicides in America. That can't happen. That's crazy talk, right? Of course it's crazy talk, which is why nobody wants to hear it. It's easy to get lost in these numbers when you talk about black-on-black crime and when you talk about white-on-white crime. But I was blown away by the number that Peter Kersenow just quoted us on the air, and that he included in his column uh, for National Review. Let's talk about white-on-black violence. Let's get away from the narrative of, well, more blacks kill more blacks, and more whites kill more whites, and so on and so, on and so forth, because that's not what the argument is in, the, in all of this frenzy on CNN and MSNBC and NBC and ABC and CBS and the the NFL network and BET and MTV I'm not joking about this every freaking network is running PSAs denigrating the American experience as being racist against African Americans You can't watch an NFL special. You know, one of the NFL greatest 100 players, greatest they're doing this 100th anniversary thing. You can't watch uh, one of those specials without commercials in between talking about standing in solidarity with victims of black violence. Because whites are the problem. White people are committing an extraordinary amount of crimes against black America, black um. Uh, victims of violence at the hands of whites, is the narrative. Again, you can't watch MTV. or I, I had VH at 1 on the other day. They were replaying um, Training Day, I think. One of my favorite movies. I love Denzel. Um, anyway, they were replaying. And in between, there was this you know, black screen and then this countdown about uh, the number of black people killed by uh, whites and so on and so on. You can't escape it anywhere. The narrative is white America is hunting and killing black America. So when Peter Kersenau just quoted these numbers, I I was just blown away by them. Why is, is this ignored? Let me give them to you again. Between 2012 and 2015, this study from the Department of Justice. This isn't a Fox News opinion survey. This is the DOJ. The DOJ, mind you, that was run between 2012 and 2015, by whom? Are you ready? Loretta Lynch. African-American attorney general working for African-American president of the United States, Barack Obama. So if anybody wants to say, well, the DOJ is just you know racist and biased, too. These numbers were compiled while President Barack Obama ran the country and Loretta Lynch ran the DOJ on the heels of Eric Holder running the DOJ, right? So take any, any argument that you might be thinking in the back of your head, well, these numbers can't be trusted. They're from a racist white presidency. No. Between 2012 and 2015, black Americans committed 85.5% of all black white interracial violent victimizations excluding interracial homicide which was also disproportionately black on white whites committed 14.4% of all interracial violent victimizations so i did, just to say that in more simple terms when black uh, and white crimes were committed violent crimes were committed against one another all right In that period of 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, in that period, 85%, 85 85.5% of all of those black versus white violent crimes were committed by blacks against whites. 14.4% were committed by whites against blacks. In, In raw numbers, this is what Peter quoted us. 540,360 felonious assaults on whites by blacks. 540,000. Just 91,000 felonious assaults by whites on blacks. And a reminder, somehow, The black population managed to commit those 540,000 felonious assaults versus just 91,000 felonious assaults, being just 13% of the population. The source of this, again, is the Department of Justice, run by Loretta Lynch. As Heather McDonald noted... If white mobs were rampaging through black business districts, assaulting passers-by and looting stores, we would have heard about it on the national news every single night. But the black flash mob phenomenon of, is grudgingly covered, if at all, and only locally where it happens. The national media have been insisting on the theme of the allegedly brutal Minneapolis Police Department. They said nothing as black-on-white robberies rose in downtown Minneapolis last year, along with savage assaults on passers-by. Why are Minneapolis police in black neighborhoods? Because that's where the violent crime has been happening, including the shooting of two-year-olds and the lethal beatings of 75-year-olds. Just as during the Obama years, the discussion of the allegedly oppressive police Is being conducted in the complete absence of any recognition of street crime that drives it I find these numbers to be just astounding and the fact that they are not being reported is why we're being told every day on television on radio and online that white America is trying to wipe out black America nothing could be more upside down nothing could be further from the truth And yet, once again, your facts do not trump other people's feelings. Your phone calls right after this. 726, let's get a few calls. Northfield, first stop. Margaret, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead, Margaret.
2: Good morning, Bob. It's a pleasure talking to you this morning, I guess, under these circumstances.
1: Yeah, I enjoy well, your show. Yes, and I appreciate shout that. Out. Thank you so much. The circumstances are difficult, but yes, thank you for listening.
2: Yeah, and shout out to my mother, Medina. Janet, hello. She got me listening to you. Okay, my, my um I'm, un- I'm unemployed right now, and I spend a lot of time on listening to the radio and on Facebook. And my banking institution made a Facebook post. I belong to USAA as my ex-husband was uh, a combat veteran. Mm-hmm. This is a, a member-owned bank. And I was I was gobsmacked by the Facebook post that came across my timeline. It so says, it say? USAA stands with the black community. Across countless conflicts, men and women of all backgrounds have fought next to each other and died to ensure we live in a free country where all Americans are treated equal. The senseless killings of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and many others show how far we still have to go. Silence is not an option. USAA denounces racism, intolerance, and discrimination in all their forms. We are committed to making meaningful changes in our company and communities and will accelerate the progress being made across a broad front that starts with the willingness to accept differences, inspire belongings, and embrace what makes each of us unique. And though I liked the sentiment, I kind of felt like it insulted my intelligence as well. I mean, this has gone all the way up to a financial institution i i i don't know how to even react to this your thoughts
1: Well, my thoughts are that cancel culture is the most dangerous uh, thing, I think, that businesses and individuals face today. Uh, And what what cancel culture means, for those who don't know, is that if you are not publicly espousing the right thing to appeal to the right people uh, and the right feelings at the right time, they will destroy your business. They will destroy your reputation. Case in point, the football player Drew Brees, who stated very innocently, uh, about uh, th- three days ago, that he would never denigrate the flag of the United States of America or disrespect it by kneeling during the national anthem. The national anthem and the flag are unifying symbols that bring us all together. A very positive statement about our country, and he was the victim of cancel culture. He was called out and keep listening, Margaret. And I thank you for the phone call. He was a victim of cancel culture as he, uh, his reputation, his teammates, other NFL players, other athletes and other sports, corporations, celebrities all destroyed him and branded him as some sort of racist for saying he wouldn't kneel during the national anthem to help support, uh, you know, social justice causes. And the very next day, Drew Brees under pressure was forced to issue a lengthy apology for saying that he supported his flag in his country your bank that you're talking about your insurance company your restaurants your whatever if you are not saying the right things and that means saying something you can't remain silent white silence equals violence in the eyes of the this movement So if your bank isn't saying the right thing, if they're just quiet about it, they're considered to be complicit in this ongoing attack on blacks in America. So that's why your bank is doing what they're doing. That's why so many others are doing what they're doing. And I found it just hilarious. And I got news coming up here, but I want to share this. I found it just hilarious that Drew Brees has been dragged through the Internet cycle. And, you know, a lot of people pointed out, his life could be on the line. What do I mean by that? I mean he's a quarterback, and I mean defensive players come after quarterbacks, uh, you know, like a like a like a like a pit bull on a soup bone, right? They want to come and destroy. Well, if some of Drew Brees' teammates decide that they are not really interested in protecting him. They could allow guys to go by because they just don't feel like they are supported by their quarterback. And Drew Brees could be destroyed. Drew Brees may have to retire from the NFL. And all he said was, I would never do that to my flag. I'll never support anybody disrespecting my flag. And this is what I find hilarious. Listen to this quote. I will never kneel, and I will always respect the flag. I am not going to denigrate my flag, and I'm going to stand for the national anthem. I'm fighting with all of my strength to make this a better country, but I don't think that's the issue, because what is the top side? Are you not going to stand up? This is our country, man. You want to know who said that? It wasn't Drew Brees. I'll tell you after the news on AM 1420, The Answer.
2: 10.37,
1: 10:37. Uh, continuing on Free For All Friday with a lot of monologuing, I guess, uh, kind of uh, uh, coupled with that. I do want to hear more from you, but I had a lot to. I, I've got ten hours worth of stuff to say here. Honestly, I, I I am simply blown away by what's going on right now, and I have so many more things. I haven't even talked about Joe Biden declaring that fifty million Americans are just not very good people. He said that ten to 15% in one of his ridiculous basement uh, conference calls how he campaigns now he said that 10-15% to 15% of Americans are just not very good people uh, there's 330 million people in America 15% is about 50 million people that he just described, described are not very good and in the process of saying that by the way he, he, he criticized Donald Trump for being divisive he just divided 50 million people from the rest of the country and said you're scum What's he referring to? The deplorables? He didn't say that. He didn't say the words the way uh, Hillary did, but he literally divided the country into what he describes as good people and people who are not good people. He didn't didn't declare which kind, but 50 million people. Anyway, my point is there's all these different stories that we can talk about. Uh, There just isn't enough time. So we'll go back to your calls and see where you want to go. This is uh, Jeff in Brexville next on AM 1420 The Answer. Hi, Jeff. Go ahead all right are we going to jeff or are we going to john or who are we going to here derek okay jeff are you there all right i can't hear jeff jeff uh
3: yeah can you hear me now yeah I, yeah
1: my my uh, yeah we got you go ahead
3: yeah hello yes um, jeff go ahead yeah i'm so sick and tired with drew Brees. i just want to make a comment real quick that people black people say white people like us don't understand how they feel well they don't understand how we feel as an american a person, when you kneel for the flag, it's the same as saying the N-word to a black person. That's how I am so insulted when I see somebody take a kneel to our flag. So they should try to understand that. But that was not the main point I wanted okay. to make. I'm okay. so tired of Lindsey Graham and the other Republicans slow-walking, going after Obamacare. Yeah, last night on uh, Callum, he, wa- he explained the reason why he postponed for another week Uh, the vote on whether to subpoena people like Clapper and Brennan because he believes that everybody should have their say. It's better if everybody has their say. We know exactly what the Democrats are going to say. They've been saying it for months, that this is a distraction, and it's uh, partisan, and it's this and it's that. I don't know why the Republicans like Lindsey Graham feel they have to play by Marcus of Queensberry rules when the Democrats are in a knife fight
1: you know uh, i I could not agree with you more it's, it 's Lindsey Graham is just such a bipolar guy you know when the President needed somebody on his side during the uh, impeachment uh, scam with Ukraine. Uh, Lindsey Graham was a champion, man. I mean, he was out there visibly angry against what was being done to him. He defended him, et cetera, et cetera. But then when it comes to getting something done legislatively, like you said, and holding these hearings and, uh, uh, subpoenaing and demanding testimony from the clappers and Brennans of this world, he's silent or he's like, like you just said, he's hesitant to do anything. I don't know what to make of him. Uh, it's extraordinarily frustrating to me, too. He's not the only one, uh, but uh, but yeah, it is frustrating when President Trump has had to endure everything that he did from the beginning with this illegal, unfounded, and quite frankly unconstitutional um, uh, three-year witch hunt against him. He's had to deal with that. No president ever has before, and very few people are willing to stand up beyond just giving lip service to it and to fight for him and, and to and to hold accountable. See, here's, here's the other thing I'll say, in response to what you're saying, Jeff, is if you don't hold the Brennans and the Clappers and the Obamas and the Bidens responsible for what they did uh, in this, uh, in in essentially disrupting the smooth transition of power from the Obama administration to the Trump administration, what will be the deterrence from others never doing it again? Uh, That's that's the thing. Trump said many times, you know, that what he has endured, this presidential harassment and this witch hunt, he said no president should ever have to endure again. Well, they're going to. They're gonna and it's either gonna be the Democrats again when a, when a Republican president wins again, or you know, because they've they got away with it the first time, or it's gonna be Republicans doing it to a Democrat coming in out of retribution for what was done to Trump. So so there has to be heads rolling uh, you know, in from the Obama administration for this to truly never happen again. And you know, it, it's just extraordinarily unfortunate that we're not gonna get it.
3: Can I say one more thing? Can I say yeah, one more quick. thing?
1: Yeah, real quick. Go ahead.
3: Listen, in, praise of, in praise of the president, you know, I know Drew Brees is a really great guy, and I'm disappointed that he apologized, and I really don't want to be judgmental of him. He's got a career on the line. He probably had a lot of pressure. But that goes yeah. to the point of how strong President Trump is, because no matter how much pressure he has had to take, he has not caved one iota. He has stood up for this country and stood up for our values.
1: Well, you know what? Uh, it, thank you for the phone call, Jeff. Uh, I agree. Uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, it's just it's, it's, it's a very frustrating thing, and uh, watching what President Trump has done, you know, he doesn't make all the right decisions, because you know what? Guess what President Trump is? And I think a lot of our red hat wearing friends might not understand this, but he's human, and he gets it wrong sometimes. He gets the tone wrong. He gets the tenor wrong. He does or says things wrong sometimes. But those things are so incredibly minor, compared to the great things that he has done and he does not get credit for including by the way since our subject today and really all week has been race relations and race uh, and police relations uh in this country what president trump has done for black america is extraordinary you know, again, he gets criticized for mis for misusing Twitter. I criticize him for that sometimes. I think some of the things he does are counterproductive to him getting reelected on Twitter. I think sometimes he picks petty fights with people who don't matter and it makes him look bad. But he uses Twitter also to do the right thing sometimes that I think and doesn't get nearly enough coverage including his reminder to everybody of what he has done for black Americans as people in this country call America a racist nation and they blame Trump for fanning the flames of racism calling him a white supremacist calling him a uh you know a white nationalist and all of these other things right President and Joe Biden out there trying to pretend that he was born black. He's like Steve Martin in The Jerk. I was born a poor black child. He wants you to think that he was raised on, in a, on, a, on a southern sharecropper farm uh, with a black family. That's the pandering that he does. Meanwhile, he's telling black people, by the way, if you don't vote for me, you ain't really black. And that's who Joe Biden is, right? So Biden has exact exactly zero record of helping um, uh, uh, black America. Truly, zero record of doing anything of substance for black, black America, including during his eight years as vice president for Barack Obama, who was supposed to be, uh, you know, the, the man who, who really turned things around and really uh, gave black America chances that they didn't have before. Come to find out, things got so much work for, worse for black America during the Obama Biden years. And it took the Trump presidency to do so much more for him. President Trump tweeted earlier this week about that in comparing his record of service and of um, assistance to black America compared to Joe Biden's. It was astounding. I don't have it in front of me, but I tell you what I will do. I will find it during this final break. I'll come back and read it to you, and then I'll take the rest of these phone calls. If you're on hold, stay there. You're next on AM 1420, The Answer.